What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. This season is called Whatever It Takes. So I want to start this by asking you to reflect on three questions, and I'll try to help you with one of them. Do you have what it takes? Will you do whatever it takes? And more importantly, that I try to help you with, to activate this energy in the first place for all of this to even happen, for you to do whatever it takes, is there something worth doing whatever it takes for in your life? And just to be clear, Whatever it takes still has constraints of our values and ethics and morals. So let's not think that everything is on the table for this season. Constraints are a beautiful thing. Creativity does not exist without them. The reality is that most of everything we want in life is waiting behind our decision to actually pursue it. We are where we are because it is exactly where we want to be whether you admit it or not. So if there's some low-level, constant, dull ache and pull of something you've wanted for yourself and are frustrated that you don't have it on some level, I hope you recognize that you are actually choosing to keep it away from you by continuing to choose what is instead. The continuation of the status quo. And no matter how much you feel stuck in where you are in your life that you've created for yourself, and listen, everyone has their own unique responsibilities and required contribution and part to play for themselves and the people that depend on them. So let's not be naive to think that any season of your life can abandon everything that you've built and need to support. But your frustration of anything in your current reality comes from a dream of future a desired state of you that you would like to see. And if you've ever imagined more for yourself than what you have now, unless you are willing to kill all desire and remain stagnant, chances are that imagination of more of yourself, more for you, tugs at you. And it shows up every time in your current reality where your back is against the wall. And those moments are the most telling. When we have the most access to clarity. When everything can be thrown up in the air and restructured. What pops in your mind in those moments of how you would restructure it is a huge part of what reality you actually want for yourself. And it's important to spend those moments listening to what it is that you want instead. And we can get in touch with this with a habit something that I found personally helpful called the morning pages. I found it helpful to bring about more of those moments and not wait on when just my back is against the wall by daily journaling. And I've mentioned the morning pages in a couple past episodes. Julia Cameron's book called The Artist Way is probably the most helpful workbook. It's not just a book to read, to get in touch with the artist, the creator in us that is trying to come through 
that seeps through at times that we often stuff down and suffocate other than when it's so loud in those moments when our back is against the wall. The childlike spirit of you that looks at the world as an unlimited source of possibilities. This childlike feeling that you once embodied and lived with and have probably since let the spirit of which die and replaced by the practicality of your life. And my sister once told me when I was young, and I'm sure in a moment of reflection of what she wanted for herself, she told me, don't be practical. And I never understood what it meant. I almost in one year out the other because it, I'm not naturally somebody who appreciates dreamy thinking. And having taken on responsibility for myself and others early on in life, I also could not understand how to abandon the practicality that life requires. I didn't know how. And although the childlike spirit inside of me never really died, and although I couldn't hear it through long periods of my life, it always found ways to resurface and present me with the possibilities and alternatives to the current ways of how I was living. Always found a way to resurface in some way. Especially, again, in moments of stress and back against the wall where the current reality is so unpleasant and undesirable that you are repenting that it even exists and in that moment just looking for cues of how else you could have and can go ahead to actualizing your life differently is the most helpful. And that's when this dreamy state is most active. That abandoned childlike self most noisy, trying to scream at you and pointing at all the other ways you could have lived. And I'm not saying you will ever really reach a part of your life that totally matches all that dream state presents, mainly because we are insatiable and always expanding in our wants. But the more we listen and spend our life listening and let that childlike self lead, the one who dreams bigger and more for us, the more likely we are to have achieved a more fulfilling life in the final analysis that we do. So in the artist way, one of the tools which gets you in touch with this part of you, or at least lets you process all the other parts that block it from being accessed, you write three pages from the stream of your consciousness in the beginning of your day. Doing it anytime is probably fine, but it's usually best to do it before you have to interact with anyone. And in these pages, you will find your real feelings towards reality seeping through. Our feelings tend to split in two ways, the way that she describes it. An outward-facing, official feeling that we present and lead with, our official feelings. This is the saying of, I'm fine when the room is actually burning or all the other ways we present ourselves in the world that keeps a safe and comfortable distance and gap from how we really feel inside. And so the other type of feelings we have are real feelings. And unlike official feelings, which are easy to understand because you live them every day of your life, unlike official feelings that are mainly used as outward facing, the real feelings are how we are really feeling. And like I said, it seeps through every so often in our official feelings. But for most of us, we do a good job of gating it and keeping it from coming through. We even have colloquial sayings for this. Keep your work and personal life separate. 
We judge people who get emotional at work and cry. We expect people to be able to compartmentalize the two parts of their life as if it's a healthy prescription, as if that's how you should be living. And in my opinion, you can't really lead a person and yourself unless you know their real feelings. And I am also uncomfortable around people whose feelings and intentions need to be pierced to find out what they are really feeling. There's a huge disconnect that creates a huge level of distance in a relationship like that. You never really know, and you can see it in their eyes still, that they're feeling something else, but they're there with you. So because people can say whatever they want to you, to appease you, especially at work, especially if they report to you, for example, because they themselves are incentivized by a lot of different things. Mostly just being able to keep themselves employed and the money coming in regularly so they can afford their life and not put their family in jeopardy. But are you really leading this person who has a personal motive and agenda that supersedes the need to express their real feelings? They're doing you a disservice and themselves a disservice. How big do you think this gap can get between what they officially feel and say to you and what they really feel before something snaps and you lose an employee or a coworker or the relationship in general. The way to lead people is to understand what really motivates them. Whether you communicate to each other with enough transparency or not to have a meter on whether those motivations are actually met. And most importantly, are you even being told what it is that you really need to hear to be privileged to more information that supports that relationship and its longevity. The less comfortable someone feels around you to express what they really feel, the less of a chance of a reality actually being actualized that works well for everyone. And then it's just a house of cards. And if people say something different when they walk out of the room than what they can really say to you in the room, it's some information that you need about yourself because you're either operating on unrealistic expectations of reality and now they don't have a lane to bridge it for you. And again, the most damaging part of this is the official feelings are supposed to be outward facing and the real feelings are supposed to then what? Be inward facing. But the real damaging part of most of this is not just in your relationship with anyone else, it's in the beginning, in the relationship with you and yourself. Because for most of us, we are not even inward facing and have presence of our internal feelings. And this is what the morning pages help you resolve. Because we get so comfortable and used to expressing our official feelings and rehearse and act them out so often, we almost, for the most part, start to believe our own lies, our own discrepancy. And that means we don't even know how we really feel. We get in touch with it so seldom that it is but a faint passing thought that gives us general anxiety, but we aren't able to put a finger on it. So in your pages, especially if you do them often where the stream of consciousness can lead and really come through instead of you trying to make your journaling some piece of artwork, what will naturally happen is that your real feelings will seep out if you give them the stage to do so. And all the official stuff will take a back seat and you will see in there things pop up out of your subconscious mind that has been begging to come through. 
Things like, I don't like my job. My manager doesn't treat me well. I'm not happy in my relationship. My needs are not met. And all the other ways that we really feel, but is being blocked by a reality that is propped up by our official or on the surface feelings. And again, the wider this gap between what you feel and what you show up to every day, the reality that you have created, the more your life will feel unpleasant to live because you are betraying yourself. So I went into all of that to come back to the point of that you are not where you want to be because on some level, probably on the official level that is propping up a life that you don't exactly love, on that level, you actually want to be where you are. And when I was living a life based off of my practicality, even though I wasn't exactly happy with it, ultimately I wanted to be there. At the least, some part of me believed that being practical provided me with the trappings of success and safety and because I don't know of any other way, that the abandoning of what already is underway would be foolish. But again, just like the employee who will eventually quit, how long, how many years or decades can I go, can you go, without actually paying respect to and attending to what aches inside of you to come through? And the older you get, the less time you have to let that child out and play, the more you will feel the discontentment that comes from that gap in feelings as the possibilities become less and less. And to put it simply, you can only live in the reality that your official feelings created for so long before you hate yourself and your own life. And you will have no one to blame because it is a culmination of your own making. So to get back to our three questions, after having expressed and hopefully I helped with how to at least start by trying to get in touch with the first part, the most important part, after having expressed how to even find out from yourself inside what it is that you would activate that whatever it takes energy inside of you for, what is it that your child self wants? What possibilities would you actualize if you could wake up to them tomorrow? And when you become clear on that, it becomes the overarching why that even allows you to uproot or shift or restructure or even destroy and leave behind anything. Again, it activates the whatever it takes energy. So I invite you with me I invite you, as we spent the past month hopefully getting in touch with ourselves and clearer on what we are really feeling, I invite you into this season of actioning, whatever it takes, of going after it. And I would even go as far as to say, other than the firm commitment and the decision to move and the why, you don't have to have much else to do what it takes. I asked you if you have what it takes and you don't have to have much else other than the firm commitment and the decision to move. Most of what it takes will be picked up along the way 
after your commitment. So knowing that all you need is a reason, which you already know and can get in touch with if you get silent enough by getting all the noise processed out of your system, like we discussed, and knowing that you don't have to have much else to actualize it, you don't have to get ready to actualize it, I'll ask you one last time. Now that you know the other parts are taken care of. Because this is the last part that all hinges on your taking of action. That's all on you, all up to you, and that's all that's left. One last time. Will you do whatever it takes? Love you, family. Stay true, always. See you on the next show. Please share this with someone.